On this episode, hear from an emergency management and communications expert and our Johnson County Department of Health and Environment. Find out what it takes to be prepared for all kinds of disasters, fires, storms, a public health crisis, and more. Hear about the available resources to help you create a plan and feel confident that if something happens, you're ready to keep yourself and your family safe. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JOCO On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JOCO On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County Government. When disaster strikes, remembering what to do, where to go, and what to bring, all of that can be overwhelming. So now is the time to get prepared. September marks National Preparedness Month, and we're happy to have with us two Johnson County experts on this topic. Steve and Trent, thanks for joining us. And if you can start by introducing yourselves and your role with the county, and we'll start with Trent. Hey everybody, my name is Trent Pittman. I'm with Johnson County Emergency Management and Communications. I'm the Assistant Director of Community Preparedness, which rolls in a bunch of uh, responsibilities such as the Public Information uh, Office for our uh, department, um, training and exercise, as well as volunteer uh, management. Uh, my name is Steve Mayhew. I'm the Preparedness Program Manager at the Johnson County Department of Health and Environment. Thank you guys for being here. Trent, if you can talk to us a little bit about what National Preparedness Month is and why it's important. Yeah, you know, uh, National Preparedness Month is something uh, that we work with uh, every uh, September. It was first coordinated in uh, 2004 to encourage um, citizens and businesses to prepare for all hazards and all types of emergencies and disasters that they could encounter in their location. All right, and can we talk a little bit more about what kinds of disasters are there are? I, I know that there are plenty of things that just kind of instantly come to mind, but probably some of those lesser known disasters too that we need to, to be prepared for. You know, uh, we actually monitor and rank on a semi-annual uh, basis a, um, a threat and hazards uh, index where we monitor over 20 different hazards that uh, could affect Johnson County uh, at any given point. Primarily, we focus on those ones that are higher on that list in, in this area. Uh, some of the ones we tend to focus on are uh, severe weather, um, as well as uh, tornadoes, uh, winter weather, and ice storms. And, you know, this is 2020, in fact, so we're, we're dealing with some of the ones that are a little bit further down on this list uh, as well. Yeah, it's certainly been an unusual year. And, you know, just talking about severe weather, it seems like it's been pretty mild this year compared to previous years. I don't remember having to run to the basement too often. Yeah. In fact, uh, as of right now, we are tied for the lowest number of uh, tornadoes in the state of Kansas that we've ever had. I believe we're sitting at 13 uh, confirmed tornadoes uh, in the entire state of Kansas for 2020. So uh, it seems like uh, Mother Nature has cut us a little bit of a break. Uh, this year while we uh, focus on other more important uh, hazards right now. Yeah, that's right. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Um, so, you know, when you think about preparedness, you think about uh, those tornado drills and fire drills that the schools do. Uh, but making a plan is an important step, not just for the schools, but also for our own families. In addition to that, you also have to have some supplies ready. So can you talk a little bit about what it takes to build a kit to, to be ready for disaster? In Johnson County, we like to encourage everyone to uh, make a plan, gather supplies, and get connected. Uh, specifically, when looking at supplies, it's uh, we try to take a, uh, a different um, approach than a number of uh, communities around. 
instead of focusing on building a kit and try to make sure you have all those uh, supplies in a designated bag or a designated box, uh, we try to encourage everyone just make sure you have those supplies on hand in case you need them for an emergency. We like to group them into uh, three different categories, essential, useful, and personal. Those essential uh, items that we encourage everyone to have, those essential supplies, uh, include making sure you have three days of water, and that is one gallon of water per person uh, per day, uh, having some sort of basic first aid kit or basic first aid supplies on hand, uh, making sure you have a flashlight with an extra set of batteries or at least a uh, rotating set of batteries in that flashlight, as well as having some sort of limited uh, non-perishable food supply. Uh, that, could, that could be um, as complicated as uh, meals ready to eat for groups, if you want to go all in and get uh, that level of preparedness down. Uh, it could also include just having um, non-perishable granola bars and rotating that supply throughout your preparedness kit. You know, instead of buying a designated supply of food and putting it in a bag and then having to replenish that supply every, um, every six months, one year, or even every two years for some of those longer uh, items, making sure you have non-perishable food on hand that you could, that you could use is one uh, cost-saving measure that uh, we encourage everyone to have. Um, so making sure that when those granola bars uh, or those um, protein bars are about to expire, that you could rotate them through your, uh, your personal snack drawer or your snack supply, and then replenishing those, making sure you always have fresh stuff on hand. Uh, as far as useful items, that includes um, items such as having some extra cash on hand, maybe a battery-powered cell phone charger, you know, we, we encouraged everyone to um, always have battery-powered radios and extra sets of batteries and hand crank radios, in fact. Um, you know, but in, in today's world, making sure you have a battery-powered cell phone charger is, uh, you know, just as high. It's kind of that 21st uh, century version of that uh, old uh, hand crank radio. As well as in having uh, important documentation, uh, insurance, um, social security cards, making sure you have all those important documents uh, stocked away safely is important. And then finally, we encourage everyone, you know, to uh, make sure you have those personal supplies uh, on hand that you'll need uh, following a disaster. That includes hygiene items, as well as in, uh, making sure you have some uh, amount of extra um, medication prescriptions on hand uh, in case you're not able to make it uh, to the pharmacy to replenish some of those uh, vital supplies uh, at any given time. And then lastly, just encouraging you to think of uh, Fido or maybe the cat, making sure you have um, <laughs> some, uh, some emergency supply items for them as well. And when you talk about um, all those emergency supplies, it sounds like a lot of stuff, but do you put that in your car? Do you put that in your closet you know, by a door or, or what do you do with it? It's really uh, up to individual preference, you know, and one way to look at these, and it is, you know, once you look at this, uh, these items, it can seem overwhelming. It can seem like a lot of things that you have to have on hand. Uh, but one thing that you can do to help make this a little bit more manageable is just to make sure you have some of those essential supplies, maybe stocked away in a basement or in a closet, uh, making sure that water first aid kit and flashlight have a designated location. A lot of those uh, other items, you know, uh, some of that food supply and some of those useful items can be located in a different part of your house. And then, you know, making sure you just have extra hygiene items uh, around uh, your house or your apartment is just uh, a way um, to make sure you're prepared. You don't necessarily have to have them all in one big location. And you, you brought up a great point, uh, especially around these parts of the country, uh, making sure you have items available in your car for those, uh, those long-distance uh, road trips that you can do is incredibly important throughout the winter. 
and you know those can vary uh, based on what conditions you're at. You know, it's uh, you always want to make sure that in the winter you have uh, certain supplies in your vehicle. That's a car charger for your cell phone, as well as some uh, some warm clothes, or maybe that's a thick blanket that you could put in your trunk. But when you're going on a long road trip to um, maybe you're uh, visiting extended family uh, and you're taking that in a road trip uh, this year instead of uh, flying on a plane, making sure you have water and extra food just in case, um, in case you get stuck on the side of the road or you need to um, wait out that, uh, um, that snow plow for a few hours in western Kansas, waiting for the highway to open back up, making sure you have those snacks on hand. Those aren't necessarily things you'll want to leave in your car. Um, when you're just driving around town, uh, that water could freeze and leak everywhere when it unfreezes. Uh, but those are items that you can add in, um, as well as those basic supplies, such as that car charger and warm clothes. You know, and if you're going somewhere remote, um, where you might not have a cell phone charger or where there's not a whole lot of traffic, that's when you can take that uh, preparedness kit in your car up to uh, another level, uh, making sure that instead of maybe just a handful of hours for comfort uh, supplies that you actually have those supplies on hand in case you have to uh, wait out assistance for uh, multiple hours. And we had a in our neighborhood a, recently a fire, a house fire. And so I keep thinking, you know, what would I do in that situation? And I think about, you know, all the important papers that I have tucked away and I'd probably want to grab them, but my first priority would be getting my family out safely. So um, are there things that you should do? Maybe keep some of those documents electronic so that you can access them maybe from your phone or your computer when you get to safety. Yeah, yeah, you know what, it, it, it often seems like, you know, after we, after the family's accounted for, that first thing we're grabbing is that cell phone and making sure you have your, um, your insurance uh, information saved in your phone is just a, is a great way to make sure you you likely have that with you, you know. Uh, another other options are making sure those documents are, are either in a bag that you can grab, um, uh, just second nature. Maybe that's tucked in just in the, in the in the closet in your room that you can just grab it and go. Uh, or even including those items in a uh, in a fireproof safe of sorts. All right, that's some great advice. And so after you've created your plan, the next step probably is to uh, talk to your kids about what that plan is and where those those important items are. So how do you prepare kids for disaster without scaring them? Because I know we've got kids and, and it's an important uh, step in this process. Yeah, you know, uh, kids feed off that energy that the that, that adult, those adults um, are putting off when they're talking to them about different uh, and tough subjects. And just making sure you have honest and open conversations um, that are age appropriate with the kids is it's, it's incredibly important. Uh, that can start off uh, young kids in that kindergarten, late preschool age group. It's a, being prepared for those kids is as simple as memorize uh, mom or dad's cell phone numbers making sure that if they're ever separated and uh, they're talking with law enforcement officers or teachers, that they have that, uh, that phone number memorized as soon as possible for being able to contact uh, them. You know, as they get older, that progresses into making sure that you have uh, something as simple as a fire escape plan with, you know, your, your kindergartner, first grader, or second grader, you know, and then uh, making sure that, you know, if they have to get out of the house, if, uh, if you're um, not immediately right there beside them, they can do it on their own and they know where to go and making sure that uh, that neighbor or that uh, location that you're sending them uh, is aware that they're coming is, is a most definitely part of it. And they know that progresses all the way up to making sure that uh, your teenager who's driving to school has those emergency supplies in their car 
uh, with them in case uh, in case they needed to use them. All right, again, great information there, and we're going to move on to Steve. So, uh, when it comes to public health. Uh, preparedness has taken on a new meeting this year, I'm sure. So can you talk a little bit about what uh, what the public health uh, preparedness means? Yeah, absolutely. So um, health departments all across the country have been, uh, have had preparedness programs since 2001 after the anthrax attacks. And so health departments all over have been focused on public health preparedness for a long time now. Um, initially, when people think about public health preparedness, they think about things like anthrax attacks or like uh, pandemics. But really, you could go down the entire list that Trent mentioned of all the different hazards. And what we really try to focus on are the health outcomes. And so how do we make sure that people are able to um, stay healthy uh, after a disaster? What are the health impacts of disasters? And then uh, what can we focus on in terms of making sure that people are as resilient as possible? So you can think about that in the context of people with pre-existing conditions. And so Trent mentioned medications and things like that a lot of times um, those conditions can be exacerbated by disasters. And so we just try to take all that into account to make sure that um, individuals and communities can remain as healthy as possible during and after a disaster. And you mentioned that a pandemic is is part of that um, equation, I guess. So can you talk about how that's played out here in Johnson County? Pandemics obviously are a little bit different than the disasters we typically think of in Kansas, uh, severe weather and tornadoes and things like that. Um, where a tornado is, you know, very sudden, very quick, it comes in, the damage is done, um, and then it's, it's gone and you start to recover, a pandemic obviously can last months and, and longer. And so it really takes a different sort of perspective to look at a pandemic when you think about the long haul versus the short, immediate impacts of, of other types of disasters. Um, then I don't want to say the nice thing, but one of the opportunities there is that with a pandemic, so a tornado happens, you can't do anything to stop it or slow it down or mitigate it. Like it's going to come in and it's going to, to have that effect. But with a pandemic, because it's stretched out over such a long period of time, there are a number of things that we can do to sort of reduce the impact of the disease on the community. Things like social distancing, uh, wearing masks, trying to do, do good hand, hand hygiene and all of those other recommendations that health departments have made. Um, and then in addition to, to those things, you can really look at sort of the list that Trent went through already in terms of being prepared for pandemics and think about, you know, if you make a kit for three days uh, with food and water and things for if the power goes out or if you're stuck at home, think about that in the context of if you're asked to quarantine at home for two weeks because you've been exposed to the virus. And so you can take some of those same principles and just look at them through that sort of longer term scope. I think, you know, people don't like to think about this possibility, but if you did get sick, you know, I, I've talked to, to a few people who their concern would is if they went on a ventilator, you know, does my spouse or, or my loved one have the information that I need to share with them? Um, so can you talk about how families can prepare if, if someone gets severely sick? Yeah, so that's definitely a really good point to bring up. Um, obviously, we don't like to think about worst case scenario, but it's super important to do that and to talk to your family and your loved ones about what their wishes are, what your wishes are, how you want things to be handled. Um, let them know a trusted uh, person, let them know where all the important, important documentation you have is, where all the inf information they would need should something happen. Um, let them know where to find that um, and, and what you want them to do. Um, it's also important to think about you know, it's, it's not just the severe illness you want to think about, but what would you do if you were diagnosed with even asymptomatic COVID-19? Do you have a plan to isolate from your family within your house? Um, 
If you have the space to do that, that's great. If not, try to think about other things um, that you would do to try to protect your loved ones. And lastly, if you think you may have COVID-19 or you think that you uh, may have been exposed to somebody, we are still offering free testing here at the health department in Olathe. Um, you just go online, make an appointment. Uh, it just takes a few minutes to have the test done and then results have been coming back um, in just a couple of days. And so that resource is available to residents as well. All right. And of course, we'll have a link to uh, how to to get an appointment to, to go get a test. And it's a very quick process, an easy process with fairly quick results there, which, you know, once you have that information, it, it can be empowering. At least you know if, if you're sick or not and what you can do about that. Um, so you mentioned some of the other public health issues that, that you guys are looking at um, all the time. And so obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic, so there's a huge focus on that. But can you talk about some of the other health-related disasters or emergencies that, that you guys address and, and what the public needs to know about that? Sure. Um, so right off the bat, I mentioned that the, the preparedness program was created because of the anthrax attacks. And so we look at things like uh, bioterrorism and how would we um, get medication to every resident of Johnson County within 48 hours. Um, that's one of the plans that we have to have and is certainly a very large undertaking. Um, the other one that's a little bit, you know, probably more likely to happen would be pandemic flu. And we're coming into flu season now. And so um, obviously we have the flu every year. And when they were talking about, people were talking about the next big public health threat was going to be, we thought it would be pandemic flu. Uh, turns out it was COVID-19. Uh, but we still like to encourage people as we get into flu season to go get your flu shot. Um, it protects you. It protects the people around you. It, it won't help you with COVID-19, but if it protects you from the flu and keeps the stress off of the hospitals, if fewer people get sick and, and need to seek that care, um, it'll be better for our community overall. Again, I would say that the pandemic is sort of the, we're playing the long game with that. And so strongly encourage everybody to, you know, obviously focus on your own personal safety, but think about it in the greater context of, all of the steps that you take to protect yourself, like wearing a mask and social distancing, are also protecting those around you. And so really just trying to, to harness that, um, that social responsibility to your community and to everyone around you um, is going to be what gets us through this pandemic and out on the other side. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for being here. You can find much more information about preparedness on jocogov.org. You can also learn more about the national campaign at ready.gov. Thanks for listening. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JokoGov. For more on this podcast, visit jokogov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.